0: Welcome to the What She Said podcast. My name is Candace Sampson. I am currently in the middle of divorce proceedings, working towards my psychology degree, dating for the first time in 20 years, raising three teenage girls, a senior dog, and two guinea pigs. And in the middle of all this, I thought it would be a good time to buy the What She Said media property. What could possibly go wrong? I've been in the trenches with women across Canada for over a decade now, oversharing on the Yummy Mummy Club, Life in Pleasantville, and on all my social media pages, and I totally do it for the gram. And now I'm coming to you on the radio at 105.9 The Region and on this podcast. Apparently, I have a lot to say. So let's get rolling. How often do you listen to the side effects rhymed off at the end of a commercial for medication and think, whoa, that's a lot of side effects? Of course, it's not hard to understand why. There is simply no medication that is one size fits all. Yet. The science of pharmacogenetics, that is the study of pharmacology as it relates to genetics, Is revealing some amazing things about how individual variations in dna can impact the body's ability to metabolize it i recently had the opportunity to try a pharmacogenetic testing kit from inogene diagnostics and was blown away by what it revealed but also confirmed about my reaction to many pain medications so i invited nancy white CEO of Inogene Diagnostics, to join me to discuss the science and the practicality behind this test and how personalized medicine is within our reach. Hi, Nancy. Thanks for joining me today. Hi, Candace. Thank you so much for inviting me. So, you know, the show is called What She Said. So for me, it's all about uh, representation and having strong female uh, guests on this show all the time. So I love when I get a guest like you on the show who is shattering glass ceiling in probably what's a largely male dominated industry, I would imagine still.
1: It is very largely male dominated and it's always a pleasure to find like, uh, like-minded females who really celebrate females in leadership and support each other we need more of that
0: so tell me how did you land at energene what was the path to where your current role as ceo of energene diagnostics yeah, thanks for that question.
1: Um, I actually have worked in big pharmaceutical companies for the last two decades, and I loved my time there and learned a tremendous amount. My last few years at a big pharma company, I worked in oncology, and I was the head of the solid tumor division. And oncology is a very rapidly advancing area. Pharmacogenetic testing is essential sense of how an individual, an individual personally metabolizes medicine. And so I was approached to come and join Inogene. It's a startup company, which is very different than working from a large uh, multinational corporation. And I thought, if I don't do this now, I never will. And I couldn't be happier that I've uh, taken the leap and joined a, a startup company.
0: So I, I recently had um, the opportunity to test uh, this, this at-home uh, FED uh, was sent to me. I took a swab, sent it. I was really excited to see what the results were going to say because I always felt I had an aversion to pain medication, uh, and I have a couple of examples of why <laughs> I feel that way. Uh, but I wanted to see if if the science confirmed what I felt, or if this was one of those things that was in my head. So to I guess
1: approach the the multitude of things you've mentioned is that so. Every person is unique, and so is your response to drugs. And we hear very often from individuals, a pill or a medicine, and they just don't really feel like it's doing anything for them. And I can say with a lot of certainty, it has to do with your genetics and how you personally respond. And I think the easiest example I always like to share that illustrates this the best is the differences between Tylenol and Advil and I hear this from lots of people, but I, over the years, just gravitated toward Advil. I've taken both products. I have nothing against either product, but when I did my test, I found out I'm a non-responder to Tylenol. So my personal gut feeling to prefer one medication over another, that really was all derived from, from my genetics. But if you think about areas that are more serious than even you know, um, combating simple pain that you can use with an over-the-counter medication, um, for people who suffer from emotional pain like depression, I'm sure we all know someone who's taken an antidepressant before and have found that unfortunately it hasn't worked for them. So then they'll go to the doctor and try another one. They look at either upping the dose, lowering the dose, And a lot of times the reason these medications are not working for these people and they're not feeling better, again relates back to their genetics. And I love that you mentioned when you took the test how simple you found it to take because it it really is as simple as doing a simple cheek saliva swab. And we just need some saliva. And from there we can unlock and tell you so many things about yourself and your personal response to medicine.
0: So I did love that it was as simple as a swab and it reminded me a lot of the other DNA tests out there like Ancestry and 23andMe and all of these other tests you can take. Um, But this one I feel offers more empowerment to people because yes, it's great to know your family tree and where you've sort of come from, but it doesn't really offer you anything in terms of, um, improving your life necessarily. Uh, whereas this is huge, and I don't want to go too far into my story because this is not really about me, but I had a C-section with my daughter, emergency C-section with my oldest daughter, and they gave me an epidural and it didn't work. Uh, then I had morphine and uh, Demerol, and so on. there was a myriad of, of uh, drugs given to me all the time, and, and nothing really worked. So when I went in years later to have a hysterectomy, They, um, the anesthesiologist asked me if, if I had, you know, any drug aversions. And I said, well, I think, I think I have a problem with epidurals because when I had it with my oldest, it didn't work. And she sort of poo-pooed me like there, there, dear, you'll be fine. Um, I woke up in recovery, uh, after a major, major surgery with zero pain management, absolutely zero. And Uh anything they gave me morphine didn't work. Uh, And so on and so forth. And so it took about eight hours to get my pain under control, which I was begging a nurse at the hospital to knock me out cold. I was in so much pain. And as you know, once pain gets away from you, it's really hard to catch up with that. And it delayed my recovery, because uh, it was such a painful process going through this. So if I had been armed with this knowledge that I have now, it really would have changed the outcome of it for me significantly.
1: A hundred percent. And you know, the statistics are staggering around. Um, So it's awful you went through those eight hours of pain, but you were very lucky they eventually got your pain under control. There are so many statistics around people who suffer acute and short-term pain. If you don't get it under control, in the short term, it very easily and most often converts to long-term pain. And you can imagine just the long-term repercussions of that. So um, I'm happy to hear you got your pain under control. But again, the scenario you're describing really lies in your genetics. And had you known in advance, um, you could have just simply said to the healthcare team, here are my, here's a test I had done. I don't respond to these meds. And we're fortunate enough in this day and age that there are lots of alternatives out there. Um, typically what happens in medical practice, and again, I worked in the pharmaceutical industry for more than two decades, um, people are creatures of habit. And if they've used something that they know will work in the majority of people they're seeing, that's kind of their go-to, so why would they change that? So you being unique, as everyone is unique, um, knowing what you do and do not respond to is very important um, to not only make you feel better sooner, but to get you healthier and keep you healthy longer term.
0: Right, and so let's just go a little bit further with this now, so uh, while we're talking about genes and how you pass them on, obviously, uh, my- your DNA
1: is your DNA. It will tell you what you need to know for the rest of your life. Um, it, it wouldn't surprise me if your children's genetics are coded for certain medications identically to yours.
0: Right, and what a gift to give to them really going forward uh, you know, because if even if I, you know, heaven forbid, should ever, ever end up in the hospital for major surgery again down the road, I now have this 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 tool that I can hand to the doctors to say, look, these things are not going to work for me. I want my children to have that, um, especially when it comes to certain things too, like antidepressants. You know, um, I was flagged on my report for about seven or eight antidepressants with in red do not go do not use these um that's huge that's huge knowledge to have um and so for that but you also are testing cannabis which i found really interesting
1: yeah well in canada as you know it is legal uh, both recreationally and medicinally And there's a lot we don't know about cannabis, Um, but in our test, we do look specifically at 28 genes and 58 of the variations of those genes to help you triangulate that if you are going to try cannabis for medical purposes, this will give you some sense of where you might want to start a lot of this is preliminary data because we don't have a lot of robust deep science around what cannabis does but i love that you um you know mentioned the segue from your daughters because one of the things we know about adolescents and their brain development is that youth's brains do not stop developing and growing until their mid-20s There is no science or evidence around what tells us what does the use of cannabis do to the growing brain. Um, So when you look at this test, I as well have an uh, an adolescent son, and we did his test, and he actually holds some gene variants that, I used it as an opportunity as a discussion point with him to talk about the use of cannabis and what happens to your body and your brain. And one of the scary variants that he happens to have is that if he were to be a long-term user of cannabis, he is at risk of decreased brain volume. So you can imagine how scary that sounded to him. Um, and it certainly puts concern in his mind and I hope it will make him think twice if he ever decides that he's going to try it. But um, knowing where to start with cannabis is can be daunting if you've never used it and I'll, I'll skip to a different generation say you're a 60 year old arthritis sufferer and you're not getting relief from your meds and you're like, okay, cannabis is legal I'm going to try it. Well, you can get certain side effects that you might not want. And for example, my cannabis profile says I need to avoid THC because I'm more prone to the psychotropic side effects um, if I were to use it. So if I was a 60-year-old arthritis sufferer and tried cannabis and didn't know that I was prone to those type of side effects, I probably would not have a very positive experience. So your genetics um, really can unlock a lot of information for you.
0: Yeah, and I think, too, the interesting thing about cannabis is that, you know, it's legalized and, and you know, there's this, oh, it's safe, it's safe. Well, you know, alcohol is legal, too, and, and we know there's all kinds of side effects to alcohol as well, which sort of leads me to another question. Alcohol is a drug. Um, I take thyroid medication. I didn't see that come up on the report. How do you determine which drugs you'll test and which ones you're not right now?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. Um, So there are lots of pharmacogenetic testing companies out there. Um, At Inogene, we made uh, a strategic decision to focus in both physical and emotional pain. um, Because there are so many complexities to treating um, pain, and quite frankly, I don't know a single person in the world who hasn't experienced pain of one form or another at any point in their life. So when you look at um, comparing different companies and what they test for, uh, the difference with a gene is that we go very deep and very broad across the genetics of pain management, physical and emotional pain. So this allows us to give you a very accurate um, picture of what you do and do not respond to. By comparison, other companies that go very broad and cover a lot of different therapeutic areas they may not be giving you the full picture because they don't have the ability to be as deep and robust um, in the specific area, and they choose to be very narrow and um, at the surface level. So we've just chosen to focus specifically in this area so we can be really certain about the accuracy of what we're telling you uh, with your results.
0: And so an area that I have very rudimentary knowledge of but is, is epigenetics. And is there sort of any conversation around the science of that when you're looking at how this all interacts for people?
1: Yeah, it's, it's all very complex. Not to <laughs> um, try to uh, avoid answering a question like this, but the whole role of genetics, pharmacogenetics, epigenetics, Um, There's so much deep science involved in the interplay of how our cells behave, how our DNA uh, interacts with them. And as we move further into this science, more and more uh, information will become more mainstream. Because if you think about 10 years ago, and even mapping the human genome, I mean, it was exorbitantly expensive to do that. And it's still pretty expensive. It's not accessible to like, the average consumer. Um, But even tests such as what we're doing right now, the price point has come down significantly. And I do anticipate over the next decade, you'll continue to see a dramatic drop as we find new ways to relay the science, um, but also new ways to commercialize and and bring those results to something
0: meaningful meaningful to the end user. And do you um, work with the pharmacy, pharmaceutical companies as well in any capacity? Like, do they, do they share sort of uh, the, drug, like the drug makeup with you so that you can test it? Like, how are you uh, figuring all of this out? So that's
1: an, a great question. And um, so when you think about uh, a pharmaceutical product, um, it goes through so much rigor and testing to get approval by a health authority and that's really important because you want any medication that's available to the population to be safe not only safe but efficacious so it has to work how um, these uh, data points are brought forward it's based on averages so they do very large-scale clinical trials and test it across a broad group of people and how Um, approvals come forward and a drug is made publicly available is, again, based on a wide variety of parameters, but again, boiling it down to safety and efficacy for the masses, so in the average population. But as we kicked off today, everyone is unique. You are one of a kind. You are not an average, which is why these drugs don't work in all people. And what is evolving in the pharmaceutical industry is using pharmacogenetic testing and genetic testing to streamline the populations they're going to test new molecules in, which ultimately will hopefully bring new medications to patients sooner and faster and also have um, a better idea of who they're going to work in. And in fact, the FDA is ahead of Health Canada in this respect. And the um, FDA has now relabeled over 200 pharmaceutical products in the US where there are well-known and well-characterized genetic and gene variations that should be taken into consideration for an individual using a medicine. And I do believe we will eventually get there um, with our healthcare system as well.
0: So that's fascinating. So the work you're doing is actually helping the pharmaceutical companies make better drugs and help more people. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you think about the cost of medication as well. We will
1: save the healthcare ecosystem a lot of money by, if you think about the number of wasted medications that are out there, I mean, think of your own medicine cabinet. There's mm-hmm. probably drugs in there that you, or prescriptions that you had filled and never finished. I mean, that 's a lot of money that 's wasted, so wouldn 't it be um, practical to actually get a product that works for you um, and works at the first time to help you feel better sooner
0: yeah you know it 's interesting they say that because ty- Tylenol as well for me was was a it doesn 't work um, and so but you know we are living in a time obviously we 're in the middle of this pandemic, and you know people are saying you have a fever, you should take Tylenol, not ibuprofen is sort of. This ongoing thing. So, but ibuprofen works for me. But I shouldn't take it with this. So, these are all good things to know because then I can now go to my doctor and say, "Look, I uh, uh, Tylenol doesn't work. I shouldn't take ibuprofen. Perhaps what can I take?" Um, so that again, armed with that knowledge, I'm able to prepare uh, in case I have to take something.
1: I think that's a really poignant comment you're making, and that as we all move. Um, and are more interested in the area of wellness and knowing what we're putting in our body and knowing that how we fuel ourselves really is what carries us through the day and keeps us healthy, why wouldn't you want to know what doesn't work? Why put something in your body that you could potentially do even more harm because you could be exposed
0: to different types of side effects or maybe even worse side effects?
1: um, Right, because it's
0: not that it's not... It's not that it's not just working, so it's not working, but it's also it's doing something to your body. Exactly. So a
1: number of the things we report on in the report you receive is not only whether or not the drug will work, we comment on whether or not you had referred to earlier that you're an ultra rapid metabolizer of of a certain drug. And that's not uncommon for individuals. And what that means in simple terms is that your body takes that medicine, chews it up and spits it out really fast. So you're not going to get what the expected response might be to that product. But by the same token, there are people who are slow metabolizers of a drug. So if you get too much of it in your system, there could be consequences. There's side effects we talk about. You could be more prone to certain side effects because of your genetics. And then there are many people who take multiple drugs and they call that polypharmacy. So sometimes the drugs don't work because they're interacting with other drugs that you're taking at the same time. So again, putting yourself at um, a whole range of different risks.
0: And polypharmacy is something that is huge among our senior population where they are taking various drugs for various ailments. Uh, All interacting. So this is actually a really good uh, test for um, seniors to be taking to know, um, again, just considering all the drugs they're taking, and they're taking various antidepressants. So it's it's physical and mental. I love that
1: you love seniors, and um, you made a comment to me before you take your dog for a walk past a certain senior's home. I think that's very sweet. Our seniors are, yes, um, on often multiple, multiple medications. And what we often hear from some of the clinicians that treat them, they all have a mentality and attitude of deprescribing, but if you have someone who's on upwards of 5, 8, 10, 15 or 15 medications how do you know which one is working and which one isn't and if the patient feels relatively okay you don't want to upset the apple cart however if you take a test like this and you know that medication a b and c don't work for this person it's a no-brainer to get them off of it and then you don't have to worry about destabilizing the wellness or them feeling okay Um, Another area we hear of great value for, again, people treating complex patients on multiple medications is that it allows them sometimes to retry a medication that they thought didn't work before because they weren't sure because they were on so many medications whether or not it was working or not working for them. So yeah, there's a lot of utility at any age in your life for having an understanding of how you process medicine.
0: And the thing as you were speaking there that I was thinking where this would be probably very powerful is when, or, you know, heaven forbid you lose the capacity to advocate for yourself. This would be a very powerful tool for your caregiver to have and your physician. Uh, Because if you lose the ability to, you know, to relay verbally, um, you know, either through cognitive decline, or you're unable to speak, this tool would be very helpful for those people taking care of you to have.
1: Yeah, and we hear that from caregivers, particularly when they see uh, someone they love, a parent or relative, that, you know, their behavior has changed, or they're not responsive. And it's hard to know sometimes what medications are doing that. And certain medications have side effects that unfortunately, Present these types of things where, um, you know, it's helpful to understand to again maybe get them back to a level of cognition where they can communicate or just feel better to even sit up and go for a walk.
0: Okay, so let's let's just get into that last one that you know makes everybody a little bit uncomfortable. I think is I'm giving you my DNA. So, you know, there's lot various questions around privacy concerns and where is this going? And, you know, so how are you dealing with all of those concerns?
1: That is a critical question. And um, it was interesting. We did a survey with a group of about 600 moms in Canada, and we knew privacy was a concern. But we were blown away by it being one of the top concerns. And so we take privacy very seriously. And it's on a number of levels. So the number one thing to know is that at Inagene, your DNA is yours and yours alone. We uh, never disclose any information about you or your genetic information. We also don't share your information with anyone else. There are a number of genetic testing companies that will sell the data. They sell it either blinded or in aggregate, and it can be difficult to track back to the individual that it's their uh, information. We've made a strategic and corporate decision to not resell or share your information, blinded or otherwise, with anyone. Uh, Furthermore, all of our databases are secured, and those are just kind of the nuts and bolts, basic entry points to privacy. When I hear that question, I often ask, so what is your concern? And we hear oftentimes, patients will say, well, I don't want my insurance company to see this information because I don't want them to not cover me or insure me. And so that's an important differentiation for individuals to know um, in what the difference pharmacogenetic testing is versus other types of genetic testing. And You mentioned earlier other companies that um, do testing and share all kinds of interesting information about, you know, your hair color, your eye color, or where you might come from. And those are fun tests to do because they unlock, you know, things that you might not have known about your ancestry or heritage. Our test doesn't look at any of those types of things. And then the further end of the spectrum, there are types of genetic tests that you can do that um, will tell you your risk of certain diseases. And I always use breast cancer as an example because we are all know we all know about breast cancer and most likely. And there is a
0: very specific gene that they can identify. There are several genes actually, but
1: one, the BRCA gene, BRCA gene, um, that one is very commonly known. And our, again, our test does not look at your risk or predisposition to any type of disease risk. What we solely and specifically look at is how your genetics respond to medications. Full stop, that's it, that's all. So those are important differences to understand if you are exploring uh, what type of test you might want to try and what it is you're looking for from that test.
0: Okay, this has been amazing because I can't see, um, you know, from cradle to grave, we are going to have pain medication somewhere in there uh, multiple times in our lives, and what an amazing, amazing tool that you're giving Canadians um, to use. So thank you so much for joining me today, Nancy. This was really enlightening. Thank you so much for having me,
1: and it's really a pleasure to talk with you today.
0: If you're interested in receiving personalized insights into how your DNA reacts to pain medication, InGene Diagnostics is offering What She Said listeners 20% off of their own pharmacogenetic testing kit. It's easy to take, you don't have to leave your home, and your results are delivered quickly to your inbox so you can start to understand what medications will and won't work for you. Go to Inagene.com and enter what she said 20 at the checkout.
1: What happens when we play outside? We become healthier both mentally and physically, we become more creative and more focused. We connect with nature, each other, and ourselves.